You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. We are absolutely blessed and honored to have Brother and Sister Chavis with us. They have been friends of ours since the early 2000s, and we're looking forward to ministry of the Word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Sister Chavis was here for the ladies' conference, and I think any of the ladies that went to the ladies' conference was absolutely blessed by her ministry. Amen. I was there for the last session that she did, and I was... I was... um, challenged by the toe ministry you'd have to be at the sessions to know if you don't go to ladies conference ladies you're missing it I even go to ladies conference it's incredible and so brother and sister Chavis uh, have been friends of ours and they're three sons all in the ministry and uh, he's brother Chavis is the bishop of the work in Spring Lake North Carolina and uh, his son Brock pastors that work. His son Court has a great church in Atlanta, just a powerful church there. And, and their son Kyle is very involved full-time at the church in Spring Lake. So we're just grateful to have friends like these. Brother and Sister Chavis, we want you to come minister to us today. Amen. They're going to speak to us, and, and we're just so thankful to have them with us. Could you welcome Brother and Sister Chavis to Mission Point this morning? It is so good to be here, and it's so good to, to have enjoyed all of this worship. The music has been incredible. Um, we, we do usually sing, but I tell you, I feel like right now that we're, we're ready for the Word. I feel like we're ready to hear from the Word of God. And I just want, be, before my husband comes and speaks, um, I'm sure he's going to really appreciate this intro. But uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure y'all know that everything is not as it appears. My dad used to say it's it's usually either uh, it's not as good as it seems or it's not as bad as it seems. It's just never just like it appears. But a f- couple years ago, we were getting ready to have a cookout on July 4th. And my husband texted me from the bedroom. I was in the kitchen. Anybody? I mean, that's, that's our life. So he texted me to come here. <laughs> come to me. <laughs> so I go back there, and he is laying in the floor. And... He's writhing in pain, and his stomach is, like, swelling in front of my eyes. And I'm like, okay, I just dialed 911. It's just like, I don't know what's going on, but he, I can't deal with this. So the 911 EMS people came and took him off to the emergency room. We didn't know what was going on. But we knew it was not good. So uh, I text my boys. A couple of them were already there. I text them said, hey, you know, let's meet me at the hospital. So um, they sent out a text to the church. Bishop's on the way to the hospital. We don't know what's going on. He's in an ambulance. Pray. Well, one of our members is uh, works for the d- police department. So he, you know, was on duty, and he saw the call, and he said he was getting ready to get off duty. I'm just going to meet him there. So he met the ambulance at the back door, came in with my husband. And so then he pops out, and he says, 
mother. I'm with her, with, with him back there. I'm going to let you know as soon as, you know, you can come back. They'll come let me know, and, and I'll be with him the whole time. I'm like, great. That's, that's wonderful. But I do know my husband, and when he's in the hospital, he wants me. It's like they don't even need doctors and nurses. I mean, just put him in a bed and let me take care of him. He's happy. So I'm in there. I'm in the waiting room. I'm like, okay, I filled out all the paperwork. I'm waiting for him to, for them to call me, and nobody calls me. So I go back to the desk, and about 30 minutes, I'm like, uh, listen, my husband is back in the back, Jeff Chavis. I need to, you know, check on him. And they, they're like, uh, well, he's, uh, you, you can't go back yet. Just, uh, we'll let you know. So I wait 30 minutes. Same thing. No, ma'am, you can't go back yet. So now my, my dad was a Wilt. It used to be Von Wilt, so there's some German blood in here somewhere. And so after an hour and a half, I went to the desk and said, listen, I, I kind of clap, you know, that, listen, listen, Linda. Uh, I'm getting ready to go back there, whether you let me or not. My husband has been here for almost two hours. I'm going, I'm going back there. And they're like, well, j- just, okay, hold on a second, and we're, we're going to check. So I'm like, I'm pacing. I'm like, I'm going to be in trouble because I know he wants me back there. And I'm worried by this time. I'm like, he's had a heart attack in there. I could just see all these things. So finally, a lady comes out, and she calls my name, takes me into this private little room. And she said, Ms. Chavis, we are so sorry you cannot go back with your husband right now. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? She said, well, ma'am, your husband's in custody. (laughs) And so I started laughing. I was like, no, he's not. That guy goes to our church. He is not in custody. And she says, what? And I was like, my husband's a pastor. That guy is in our church. He is not in custody. So she said, well, let me go check. So she comes back, and they finally send somebody else to get me, and I come back, and Brother Antoine is standing there in full uniform, and he looks very custodial. I mean, he does. And my husband is knocked out by now. They've got pain medicine anyway. But I just, from that, I learned something. Sometimes it is not what it appears. And some of you think right now that what you're going through is this is it. You know, you're, you're down for the last time. But what... You may have you people thinking you're bound up. It may be the protection of God that's got you in a place, in a place. He said, I will come for you. I will block you in. I will fence you in. And then I will woo you. And you might be in a situation right now where you don't feel like God even knows your name. But, honey, you are right where he wants you to be. You are in the will of God right now, the perfect will of God, the perfect place. The word of God is going to come forth, and you are going to be set free today in the name of Jesus. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks because it all, only, all that matters is what the truth is. And we're getting ready to hear the truth right now in the name of Jesus. I love y'all. Good to be with the Carters and the Thunders and all of our friends here. We love y'all. And it's amazing to be in this place today in the, in the presence of God. Well, praise the Lord. You want to just go ahead and preach? Thank you, Jesus. When God gave me her, he said she's the only one. There's nobody else like her. That's why I'm giving her to you. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Oh, I love my wife. It's an honor to be here today. 
Pastor Carl and his wife, tremendous. We've been friends for 20 years at least. And uh, we love them, amen. We love this church. We love you. The Thunders, Sister Carter, we just love these great, great people. Amen. How many know we serve an awesome God? An awesome, awesome God. Praise God. Good to see Brother Hanscom and his wife. We just love these folks as well. I worked with his brother for over 20 years. And uh, we've seen God do some amazing things through the years. So I'm excited about being in the church. Not just necessarily here, but just in the church in general. I know where I could be today, but I am thankful for the love of God that's got us where we are. Amen. Praise God. And what an awesome God we serve. And my guitar player. I love that guitar, man. That cat can play, too. I have to get, get with him so he can teach me some stuff. How many are ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. They had a great uh, ladies' conference and. Uh, we got to hear a few moments yesterday and uh, learn about the good, uh, the big toe and the little toe. And I thought, well, praise God. <laughs> the Robinsons, God bless y'all. Amen. If you would stand for the reading of the word. Been a little bit under the weather. Easter Sunday, I was playing with the grandkids and I fell off my porch. I almost killed myself. So here I am laying in the ground and they all looking. I can't get up. I twisted my knee, almost broke my wrist, landed on my shoulder. I thought, well, what's going to happen next? Praise God. But I'm here. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So thank you again, Pastor Carter, for allowing us to be here. And the room, the basket, and all that stuff, just first class. What can I say? I walked in that room. I told my wife, I feel like the president. Amen. Chief, glory to God. Numbers chapter 16, verses 8, 9, and 10. And Moses said unto Korah, Hear, I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing, Unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he had brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood. 
For the next few moments, I'd like to preach on this subject. Seemeth it but a small thing. Amen. Pastor, would you pray? God bless you. You may be seated. In here we find the, <clears throat> the story of Israel. They've come out of bondage in Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness. They come to a place called Kadesh Bernia, and this is where they send the spies in to spy out the land that God had promised them. So the spies go in. They're in there 40 days. When they come back, the report starts coming in to Moses and Aaron, and they simply say, it's everything that you told us it was. Everything God said it was, that's what it is. And we've even got the proof. We've got, uh, you know, tags of grapes that takes two men to carry. And it's just awesome. And... But yet there's always going to be those that, uh, that's going to see the things that they probably should never seen. And others said, well, there's giants in the land. And those giants are big, and I just don't think we can overcome those giants. So, you know, to make it a long story short, amen, it comes to a place where they don't go into the land that God promised them, a land of, of milk and honey, because there, there's too much negativity from the twelve Amen. And only two of them that rise up, Caleb and Joshua, says, look, we, we're well able to do this. If God's for us, who, who can be against us? We can take this. It belongs to us. God said we can have it. Why not go do it right now? Let's be done with it and everything will be fine. But it don't happen that way. There are times in our lives when God's told us what he's going to do and what's going to take place. Uh, and sometimes we just uh, we, we get in our mindset that it ain't going to happen. But I'm saying to somebody today, if God's promised you something, step out and take it. Uh, amen. Go ahead, grab a hold of it. Uh, amen. Step through that door and let God take care of you. Amen. Because he will. Amen. The songs that they sang here and the testimony that the, the young lady was giving, God will take care of you if you'll step out, amen, and get rid of the fear in your life. If God said it, you need to believe it and trust in it. That's the God we serve today. He didn't bring us this far just to let us down. He didn't save us just to, uh, just to walk through life uh, with, with no challenge and, and no direction. He's given us everything that we could have today, amen, to move forward to be whatever God desires us to be, amen. We serve an awesome God, a powerful God, amen. But now we're going to find that Kor rises up against Moses. And he's saying things like, you got too much power. Who gives you all this power? Why is God only speaking to you and Aaron and nobody else? Now, hang on with me. I want to preach a little bit. Because God told me it's for somebody. 
Amen. They rise up. And you're taking too much on yourself. Look, look at all these people. They're holy. They love God. They can do this. Why don't we share this responsibility? But if you go to the Word of God, Numbers chapter 1, God spoke to Moses. Numbers chapter 2, God spoke to Moses. Chapter 3, He spoke to Moses. Chapter 4, He spoke to Moses. Read it in your Bible today. Chapter 5, amen. Verse 5, He spoke to Moses and He spoke to Aaron. Now I'm saying all that to say this. God didn't have a committee. He didn't have a board that he ran things through. He had the man of God. This church has a man of God today. God can speak and talk to every one of us in here, but when there's a message for the people of God, he's going to speak to one, and that's the man of God himself. And Korah and Abram, they couldn't understand this. We need to share in this power. We need to share in this challenge. We need to share. Moses tells them, you're making a big mistake here. You're fixing to get in trouble. Real, real trouble. He began to tell them what to do to take the censers, put fire in the censers, take it to the altar and do all of this. He, he calls for, for Jathan and, and Abram, and they wouldn't come. They wouldn't come into his presence. He said, it seemeth a, a small thing that you're going to call us out now and you're going uh, to kill us, you're going to do all this kind of, you're going to destroy all these people. But see, it weren't Moses that was causing the problem. It was Korah and his band, 250 of them, the Word of God tells us, 250 people that's going to rise up and do it the way they want to do it because they think the leadership just ain't doing what it needs to do. But we know the story. God spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Separate yourself from these Scripture said that Moses and Aaron got down and prayed and they separated themselves. The Scripture said that Jathan and Abram come to the door of their tents and the earth opened up and swallowed them. Their families, their children, their tents, everything they had, it swallowed them up. But here's the point. Moses said, seemeth it but a small thing that God has separated you from the congregation of the people. In other words, God has put you on a pedestal. He's put you over here. He's given you 
a very important job to do and be a part of. Amen. He's made everything fine for you. And you think it's just a small thing that he would do that. Come on, somebody. Amen. When God brought me out of sin, it weren't no small thing as far as I'm concerned. It was a great thing when he brought me out. Amen. Friend, I was lost. I didn't have anything in life. Amen. I was living a life of guilt, a life of sin, and everything else that you could possibly imagine, selling drugs and doing everything, playing rock music, doing everything that a young man could do. Amen. And go as far as you could go. I was talking to the pastor just yesterday I think it was if it were not for God I wouldn't be here today I would be in a grave somewhere because that's the path that I was on but I'm telling you that one day amen somebody said come and go with me to church on Sunday morning amen I finally admitted to go and committed to going amen I had on a, a suit coat and a white shirt Blue jeans full of holes, no shoes, long hair, ponytail. I was a lost soul. But when I walked in that little apostolic storefront church, let me tell you, folks, it weren't a small thing. Woo, it weren't a small thing. God done something for me that day. Hallelujah. And I'm thanking God. I'm telling you, somebody ought to rise up in this sanctuary today and say, God, it weren't a small thing when you brought me out of sin. It weren't a small thing when you put me where I am today. Come on, somebody, look at where you are and who you are and say, God, it was not a small thing. Woo. I'm thank God I am where I am today. And if it were not for God, I would not be here. I know I wouldn't be here. Amen. God, give me a beautiful wife. Amen. Four beautiful kids, now ten grandchildren. Amen. I'm telling you right now, it weren't a small thing that he had to reach into the world. When I walked into the sanctuary this morning, something just came over me. Amen, Pastor. Something just came over me and said, look at what you're a part of. Look at what God saved you to. Look at what God saved you from. I sat on that front row, watched these praise singers sing and the choir singing. I'm thinking, God... If it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't be here. I'd be a lost soul or a dead soul in this world. I'm thinking it weren't a small thing, church. Cora should have realized that what God had done for him made him a part of the, the priesthood, the Levite. Who am I? to rise up against God. I've seen people walk away from God. I pastored my church 40 years. I've seen people walk away over nothing. I've seen people throw their lives away over nothing. I would go in the prayer closet and pray and say, God, what is wrong with these souls? Who am I to look at God and say it ain't working for me? Where I came from. I've seen things that make the hair stand up on you on your head. 
beautiful. I found God. I should say he found me. Raised in a highly, the word just, I went to an all-native school because I couldn't go to anywhere else. Being native, 68, 69, and 70, I seen things that, that makes people bitter, makes people hard. <clears throat> Had white teachers would take rubber hoses <clears throat> and beat us because we speak our dialect. They would beat us. You speak English, boy. Seen it so bad that the DA in our county had more native men on death row than any other DA in the in the United States. He's in Guinness's World Book of Records today. You can read it for yourself. That's how I come up. <clears throat> Hard. Hard. I watched my dad. We stopped at a little hamburger shop to get a hamburger, me and my dad and my uncle. We walked in, my dad orders a hamburger. The guy <clears throat> looks at him and said, we don't serve your kind in here. My dad said, what kind are you talking about? He said, your kind, we don't serve you here. My dad was a pretty big, pretty big man. He reached across that counter and drugged that guy across that counter. Kicked the life out of him. He said, I'll teach you who to serve. He kicked the life out of the guy, got behind the counter, fixed us a hamburger himself. <laughs> I tell you that to tell you this. It was not a small thing. It, it, it weren't just coincidence that I was invited to that little church. Because I didn't want to go. It was my older brother begging me to go. Come on, you need to go with me. He knew I was in trouble. He knew my life was in shambles. Brother Robinson, I, I committed. I said, I'll go. And I, I went. I was a hippie. I mean, come on. I walked right in there. No shoes. Ponytail. I was rough looking. Probably hadn't shaved in five, six years. But I felt the power of God. I saw that piano player. I guess this is the comical part about it, and I wouldn't lie to you. When I saw that piano player, I said, that's a reason to come back. And I came back. 
And I came back again. I came back on a Sunday night and I had an evangelist preaching. I'm still that long-haired hippie. When he got through preaching, gave an altar call, everybody in the church went to the altar. The whole church. I'm the only one left. I got a songbook and I'm flipping through that songbook. I've cut him out, see. I done turned him off. I'm flipping through that songbook. I was chewing gum. I heard him when he said, you can stand here, flip through that songbook and chew that gum, but you're going to go to hell doing that. I looked around. Well, he must be talking about me. And I went to an altar the first time in my life. I went to an altar on my own. First time I went to an altar, I got dragged. He walked out, grabbed me by the shirt, and said, Come on, boy, look like you need God. <laughs> went to that altar, and you know how you apostolic folks is. I went to that altar, and they converged on me like ants, <laughs> spitting, snotting, talking crazy talk. And I thought, my God, if I don't get out of here, they're going to kill me. <laughs> and I got out of there, and I didn't go back either until I walked in that little storefront church. That's where God began to change my life. Now, what I want somebody to know today, it wasn't no small thing. God had to reach way down to grab a hold of me. I had bitters in my heart. I hated people. I hated the way I'd been raised. Amen. Not the mom and dad, but the area that I lived in. Everybody hated everybody. Amen. Because, uh, amen, there was three races in the, in the county. Amen. There was black, there was white, and there were native. Well, being native, we were the largest crowd. It wasn't nothing but a fight. It was a killing field. all it was. You had to survive. You had to learn to survive. Amen. Everybody hated everybody. But when I got a hold of the power of God, it changed my life. It changed my spirit. It changed my attitude. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody need to look at your life right now and say, hey, it was not a small thing that God brought me out. Amen. Cora, you got to realize what you're doing here. You can't do what you're doing. God's going to, he's going to get you for what you're doing here. Mm. I've watched people fail God and I'm, I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, how? Can you walk away from that? I don't know if there's any cores in the house today. I do know you have an awesome man of God. And I can tell you, God speaks to him. Just like he did Moses. He don't speak to the committee here to come and tell him what he needs to do. He might take what he's got from God to the committee and y'all decide what you need to do. But God speaks to the man of God. And we have to be careful when we rise up 
whether it be little, whether it be a lot, whether it be small, whether it be large, it doesn't matter, amen, what's taking place. Somebody needs to remember where you come from. Every day, every day, I thank God for what he's done for me. I've walked into conferences. I've walked into pulpits all across the United States, Canada, overseas. I've walked into pulpits and under my breath I'm saying, God, how did this happen? Am I worthy to be here? I'm no great orator. I'm not the best preacher you ever listened to. But you got a good one here. Several of them here. But when I think what he's done for me, that's what brings tears in my eyes. When I think how he's blessed me, that's what brings tears in my eyes. I got three sons. They all three preach rings around me. They're conference preachers. All three of them. Pastoring great churches. My son had 720 in his church last week. My son at home had almost 400 in church last week. But you think I worry about that? I'll go home and say, thank you, Jesus. I ain't worried with that no more. Hallelujah. When I want to get in the car and go, I go. I call him and say, I'm gone, bro. I'll see you in a couple of weeks or a month. <laughs> and once in a while, he called me and said, Dad, what about this? I said, hey, bro, you handle it. I'm out of here. When I think about how God has blessed my family, my wife speaks all over the country. She could have preached here today. Probably done a lot better job. But she'd probably had to hear about toes and stuff like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. I remember laying in that hospital, wondering where she's at. I told a nurse, I said, where is my wife? Before they finally put me out. And Brother Antoine, he's standing there. Right by my bed. And the whole time, they think I'm in custody. <laughs> Fixing to go to jail. As soon as we get out of bed, you're going to jail. <laughs> I could have cured. I was so sick, it didn't matter. They could have took me anywhere. Threw me off beside the road. I didn't care. I was so sick. But God. God. Come on, somebody. Whoo. It seemeth but a small thing. When you look at your life, how many of you could raise your hand or stand to your feet and say, God, I know you had to reach far to get me. You had to reach way down to get a hold of me. 
and I know he did me. I've been hurt. I've been ridiculed. I've been called savage. You name it. But I just stood up, put a smile on my face. I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm sitting in a conference, Brother Robinson on the platform, right behind the speaker. He's a great speaker. I would dare not call his name. But he got on some stuff, and I thought, where is he going with this? And finally, he makes the statement, I don't know what's wrong with them crazy Indians. And I'm sitting right behind him. There's another native brother sitting beside me. He leans over to me and says, I really don't know how to take that. I said, take it with a grain of salt. Think about where God's got you. Think about where you are. Think about what God's doing for you. Come on, somebody. Come on, church. People are going to hurt you. People are going to talk about you. People are going to say things that ain't true, but that's right. Put a smile on your face and say, hey, it's no small thing that I'm here in the house of God. It's no small thing that God has touched me and changed my life. Come on, somebody. Woo. I'm thanking God I'm where I am today. And if it weren't up for him, I wouldn't be here. Woo, you young people get a hold of this today. Don't worry about what nobody says. You just talk to him and it'll be all right. Don't matter what they do to you, don't worry about it. Just talk to him. It'll be all right. It's no small thing that God's got you singing in this choir today. Amen. Praise singing on this platform. Playing instruments. Come on, somebody. Woo, I thank God I am where I am and it's by his grace that I'm here. Moses told Aaron, you get all the censers and you put them together, I want you to beat them down and I want you to cover the altar with these censers because I want it as a memorial that you do not do this. Never charge God with things going wrong in your life. Never charge God. Chances are it's not his fault. I'm reminded of Job, the conversation between Satan and God. He said, have you considered my servant Job? A righteous, upright, perfect man. Touch him. You got a hedge around him. Go ahead and touch him. Take him. Do whatever you want to And he did. He took everything Job had. But you know what? Job never charged God wrong. Oh, he complained. And his complaint was bitter. And his friends, they just really went after him. Basically told him, you need to repent. God don't do his people like this. 
But what you got to understand is just a conversation. That's all it is. It's a conversation. If God didn't trust Job, he would have never done it. He wouldn't turn Satan on him if he didn't know that Job could stand that test. And he stood the test. Amen. 45 chapters later, amen, Job comes out uh, with a grin on his face. Uh, oh, he says, I never, I never lost my integrity with God. And God said, I'm going to take care of you. But here's the deal. Before God released him out of the clutches of Satan, he had to forgive his friends. Somebody hear me today. If you're holding something, there's no release until you forgive. Your situation might not be like Job's. It might not be that severe. Job lost everything. I mean, he lost everything. To the point he cursed the day he was born. But he never cursed God. It was all said and done. He forgave his brethren. God released him and restored him. Oh, come on, somebody. He restored. What a God we serve. Never allow your walk with God to be measured as a small thing. Never allow what God has done for you to ever be measured as a small thing. He told Cor, seemeth it but a small thing? In other words, you forgot what God has done for you. I plead with somebody in this congregation today, don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget where he's brought you from. Don't forget how he's blessed you. Come on, Mission Point. Don't forget what God has done for you, for your families, for your friends, those that are around you. I would be totally transparent with you today. When I first got into church, it was hard. I struggled. I struggled because of people. See, Brother Haskam, I weren't necessarily accepted. When I come into church in North Carolina, I was the only, hear me now, I was the only dark-skinned person in the entire district. Try to serve God. I'd come home, I'd tell my wife, I ain't going back. Uh, no, I ain't going back. I don't know how many times I, I tried to walk away. When you go into church and sit down and 
on a pew, people get up and move to the other pew. See, it ain't like that anymore. I'm sure it ain't like that here. Yeah, better not be. I look at these brethren right here. 40 years ago, you didn't see them. I didn't see it. But I'll tell you how God blesses. Had a man of God come preach for me. After I went into the ministry, started pastoring, he come preach for me. The great prophet still is today. He come to me after service. He said, I got something to tell you. God told me to tell you. At this time, my church that I was pastoring was 40% black and about 20% of all different cultures and white. But in our district, it was still segregated. And it was hard. It was, it was hard. <clears throat> I couldn't get our folks to go to a, a conference or a rally. They just wouldn't go because of the what's going to happen. People are going to say things. And, and uh, so he come to me after service. He said, God told me to tell you something. He said, your ministry. Your ministry is going to open up the whole East Coast for people of every culture. And I'm telling you, within three years, you could go to our camp meeting, you couldn't tell who was the minority because everybody was the minority. Oh, yeah. Today, you go in our district, 30, 40, 50 cultures sitting on the pews. Amen. Woo! And then I get a call from Don Hanscom. <laughs> I want you to come to headquarters. And he made me a part of multicultural ministries. And now we spread it everywhere we go. We're one. Come on, church, we're one. We are one. But I'm telling you... <laughs> I had to fight to get where I am, but thank God it weren't a small thing. Brother Robinson, but I am here today, and I'm shouting the glory of God because of it. God is good. He is good. Oh, how great it is that brethren can dwell together and love one another like we should. Don't get swallowed up in this world. Don't get swallowed up because we can't love and we can't forgive like we need to. Don't get swallowed up and the earth just clave open and take everything you've got. Take it all away because we can't get along. Because we can get along. 
can get along. I've seen some amazing things. I've seen, I've been part of some amazing things. I was telling Pastor, uh, for a while I was president of the Ministerial Association in our city, and one of our uh, pastors, great, was a great friend, uh, he pastored a church across town, and uh, he would drive by our church on Sunday. So on Monday, he called me and said, how do you get all them people to come to your church on a Sunday night? I can't get nobody to come to church on Sunday night. Well, we were pretty good friends, so I said, well, if you preach truth, they'd come. Now, to be honest, <laughs> I was picking at him. I said, if you preach truth, they'll come. So the next day, he calls me. He said, Pastor Chavis, would you come to my church and preach that truth? Oh, yeah. I said, Reverend Lathan, his name was Joe Lathan. I said, Reverend Lathan, you know I'm an apostolic preacher. I don't preach like you. He said, I know, I know, but come. I want my people to hear this truth. So I committed to go preach a five-night revival for him. The first night, I had five of his saints get the Holy Ghost. The next night, there was 13 got the Holy Ghost. And all through the week, people got the Holy Ghost. On Saturday night, I talked to him and his wife. I said, you know, you, you got a baptistry in your church here, but it's, you got drums stored in it. There ain't no water in it. How do you baptize people? So I had them sitting in their office. I said, you need to be baptizing Jesus in there. He said, I guess you're right. His wife said, Lathan, we need to be baptized. So on Saturday night, we took him and all those people brought him to our church. We had a service. I baptized him in Jesus' name. And then he helped me baptize his congregation in Jesus' name. Praise God. That's what God is. That's what God can do. Church, it's not a small thing you in where you are today. Somebody ought to get up and shout and say, hey, I'm in the church of the living God. I'm, I'm in the midst of all this. I'm in the midst of the will of God. We ought to just dance all over this place. Woo, where's all those ladies from? Where's all those ladies from ladies' conference? Come on now. Oh, I heard about how y'all gonna shout. Come on, y'all gonna shout all over this place. It's time to shout. Just remain standing. I know this church has a great man of God and his wife. I don't think the problem that I preach exists here. But my main word was Cora. Cora forgot who he was. And that's why Moses said, seemeth it but a small thing that God has blessed you the way he has. That's the essence for this congregation today. And I don't, 
I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. What you struggle with in life. But I know this. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget where he's brought you from. I was a lost sinner. I was a lost soul until I was 19 years old. But by the time I was 19, I'd seen people killed, cut to death, beat to death. I was selling drugs, playing rock music in the honky-tonks skipping school and slipping out of the house to go do it. 19. I know it was not a small thing. God changed my life. My dad died when he was 60 years old I basically lived my adult life without a father but I had a great mother she would look me in the eye she'd say boy if I find out you're doing drugs I'll disown you I just dropped my head I knew what I was doing that hurt worse than a beating to hear my mom say that to me. And then I got in trouble with the law. And I ran. I left North Carolina, went to Chicago, Illinois. I stayed there six months. I got up one day. I said, I'm going home. I'm going to face the music. I, I can't handle this. I flew back in. My father picked me up at the airport in my car that I left with the authorities. He never said a word, but I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking about mom, what she said. Sitting night, late at night, we walk out of the airport, we walk to the car, I open the car door, the light comes on, and mom was sitting in that car. I thought, oh boy, <laughs> this ain't good. See, I had a sister at home had wrote me a letter and said mom found your stuff as I left in a hurry I left everything I left the pot all that stuff all that Colombian gold <laughs> I ran out and left it mom never said a word at the age of 77 my mom received the baptism of the Holy Ghost she called my wife at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, God, just give me the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues. She died at 87. Pastor Carter, she never mentioned all those years, she never mentioned that stuff. After she passed away, my sisters were cleaning her bedroom out. They pulled a drawer out, and there was all that stuff. She had kept it all those years. 
all that pot, smoking pot, roach clips, all of it. She went to her grave and never said a word. And it's because she knew what God had done for me. If he'd done it for me, he can do it for anybody in here today. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.